Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your uh, hosts this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski. And I am the other host, Lucia Mish. Hello. Hi, and uh, we're so very happy to have in studio as our guest today, Ria Tregobov. Hello. Hi there. Great so, to be here. Yeah, we're so happy. Uh, I was mentioning before the show started to you that uh, over the course of the past year, especially, we've had uh, several guests on the show come on and uh, mention your name and how much of a mentor you've been to them through uh, UBC, learning uh, writing and poetry there. And so we thought, God damn it, let's get you on the show <laughs> and we'll have you start things off with a poem. Thank you. I'd be very happy to. Um, I've got a new manuscript of poetry in the works. It's uh, probably less than a third done, but I do have a couple of poems that I feel brave enough to share. Oh, great. World premieres. Yes, there we go. So um, this is actually the oldest poem in the collection, and it's set back in 2011, just after the hockey riots, if you remember. Um, And it's called Talk, Riot. We're all strangers in the startling light of midnight, but we set ourselves beside the young woman in the dim booth in the bar, talk about the light, the dark inside, white horse. The kilometers she's driven solo from Vancouver with her dogs sleeping in her van. She's fine, she says, she's safe with the dogs. She just needed something, a flinch in her mouth I catch to get away. Talk drifts to the hockey riots 10 days ago when the Canucks lost the big game. Fans segued into mob, began their labors tipping porta potties, garbage cans, moved on to torching police cars, trashing pizza joints, then anything. Now, inside the bar's dull light, we watch 10-day-old footage on someone's phone. Smoke rolling thick as silk on sidewalks the angry men own for a bit. I need a weapon, a sweet-faced boy says, watching another crack his skateboard against a car. And it's work to break through the tough glass. When at last they win, watchers cheer, take trophy snapshots, videos, V flashed for victory, triumphant poses. There have been walls between them and what they want. Their team has failed them, and now they'll take walls down, fill their arms with things they don't have or don't have enough of. I was there, the young woman tells us. She's a paramedic. That night she was out with the cops trying to help. 
the people she'd come to help hurt her. She pushes back her bangs to show the bruise. Beyond the windows, the sun broods over the horizon, not ready to go. She's safe with the dogs. She just needed to get away. Mm, thank you so much. So that is the oldest poem that's going in your new manuscript. Yeah, just missed going in the last one. <laughs> <laughs> right on. I read that the, the book, All Souls, which was that your last book of poetry yeah, that came yeah. out, that you wrote it over eight years. Yes. So I that know. seems to be the cycle, about eight years. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I wrote the novel in between mm. in that period. And uh, I love writing poetry more in many ways, but fiction is very seductive, and especially a large project like a novel. It's hard to do both. I've been doing a bit of both. Uh, but the novel just sort of sucks everything out of you. Is it difficult in, like, getting your brain thinking in different forms? Yeah, okay. yeah. And I think uh, if I've been doing a long spell of fiction and the poetry gets a little sloppy, like there, like I cut that. It's a long poem, I think. It needs to be a long-ish poem. But there was a lot of sort of loose stuff that didn't need to be there, and I got some good feedback from friends and cut it back some. Uh, so, I, you know, I think it's back in. But, yeah, it's a different groove, mm -hmm. especially syntax, right? Syntax is such a different groove and the rhythms of how things happen in the text. So, Have you found that writing a, a book of fiction between poetry books is influencing the writing and editing of the, of the poetry now? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I'm pretty sure the reason the reason that I write fiction is I, there can be a story to tell. But the other reason is you can spend so much more time writing fiction. <laughs> and I'm happier when I'm writing. Um. Whereas with poetry, like, I've never been able to put in, like, a 10-hour day. And I can easily do that with fiction. So it's a funny kind of a bind in mm. some ways because... Uh, um, oh, they're different. You know, there's such different modes. But I think... In some ways, the poetry does more for me. And I've got, like, seven books of poetry oh, out wow. and just the one novel <laughs> and then the second one coming out yeah, mm -hmm. in spring. So I um, probably more, feel much more like a poet than a novelist. <laughs> right on, right um, on. I like in how this piece, the, the woman that uh, you're talking to is revealed as having been at the riot and by the end of the poem and yeah. then, you know, showing the bruise and, and all that sort of stuff. I wasn't in Vancouver when that riot happened. Yeah. It was in the last one uh, prior to that. Um, how sig I mean, you've, wrote a, wrote, you've written about it, but how significant was that for you to have, see that happening? Um, I didn't get too close to it. Uh, um, my stepson had talked about going down and then felt not knowing that it was a riot, right, just for the mm -hmm. game, and then sort of got a bad feeling. And he was quite young at the time, so I'm not sure what would have happened to You know, he was uh, 16, 17. Um, I mean, to me, uh, what was distressing about that is how, you know, the surface of our uh, collaboration as civilian, you know, parts of civic society, how it phrased like that. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, you know, when you think of what's going on politically, especially what's going on in the U.S. right now, and, and how how thick are those social ties? You know, how much do they hold us? And so it's something um, that certainly concerns me as a writer, both in the fiction and in the, and in the poetry. And this is part of a series called Talk. This one is Talk Ra uh, Riot, Talk Radio, I almost <laughs> said. <laughs> Talk Riot. 
uh, I want to do a series of meetings with strangers because, mm. you know, we didn't know her. We were just in this bar. I was up, Whitehorse used to have a, a poetry festival and I was invited up for that and she was just a stranger that was in the same booth oh, in the bar. Okay. Um, and so uh, I'm interested in doing a series of that because the very fact that you are connecting with a stranger is a demonstration of that tentative social fabric that keeps us together. Mm -hmm. So um, I only have one other one that's finished and then one that's still rough. So, But I'd love to see that expand to, you know, five or six poems in the new book. Mm -hmm. And I like the part to the line. I think it's it says um, they what they wanted or they didn't know what they wanted on yeah. the other side of the glass. And yeah. I think that is also too reflective of what's going on uh, in our society, called Western society, North America anyway, yeah. right now, especially with all the, the unrest and that it's coming from something something of that, like there's a, there's a desperation in a lot of people, mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily know what that desperation is or what's causing it. And then an opportunity to lash out is, you know, whoa, okay, let's go do it. I've got to get rid of all this stuff, you know, couched underneath the the loss of the, you know, the Vancouver Canucks sort of thing. Right, right. Losing something that's important to them and then it gets displaced in that way, RC. Yeah, no, I would completely agree with that. Yeah. I was struck too by the line that it's work to break through the glass. Mm -hmm. This image of like the determination, it's not just necessarily an act of sort of impulsive, like I'm going to, you know, throw this park bench in a window and see what happens. You have to work at it over and over to get through. Yeah, yeah I was watching the videos and like there was a lot of effort and determination. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and then setting things on fire and then all this other stuff. It's a, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. distressing. Yeah. Um, so how? So are you still teaching at UBC now? I retired just over a year ago, a okay. year ago in July, uh, and uh, it was a long planned retirement. Uh, and then last year I did teach, still teach one course and, and thought about teaching another course, but I realized I really actually have to stop at some point. <laughs> so uh, um, I love the teaching mm. and the students were really just extraordinary. Um, but uh, I wanted to reserve my energies for writing, um, and it was possible for me to do so at this point. Financially, it was possible. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, I've made you know so many sacrifices for my writing before I ever got the UBC job. Why would I? Why would I? Um, you know, sacrifice my writing at this point. Um, you know, either for the uh, somewhat better financial position or... I mean, what's hard to lose is the community. Mm. And I'm working pretty hard at not losing the community. So I hang out. I keep turning up on the floor <laughs> you can. Office and, hours. Yeah, at readings yeah. and stuff. And just, yeah, um, there's, a, there's a lunch next week. I'm going to turn... A faculty lunch, a faculty and staff lunch. I'm going to turn up at that. You know, they know. Oh, we better invite her. So <laughs> it's hard to give up that community. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so what is? Let's talk a little bit about, uh, more about if the the new manuscript coming out. So that was one piece from it. What else is sort of um, involved with the manuscript? And if there's anything else you want to sure. share? Sure. No, it. I've got another poem I'd love to read from that. Uh, this isn't the one that's coming out in the spring. Okay. Uh, it's probably a year off. I'm guessing, depending on how hard I work and how stuck I get. <laughs> um, I mean, I got tons of stuff started, but only about a third of it finished. Um, yeah. So this is. I don't have a title for the manuscript. Work in progress yet. Um, this is kind of um, a modified sonnet. I like doing modified sonnets where they don't have n rhyme and they don't necessarily have iambic pentameter, but I pretty much stick to the 14 lines because mm -hmm. you can get that. <coughs> 
sort of, sort of works for me as a form. There's a few modified uh, sonnets in All Souls as well. Um, and I wrote this for my partner, um, whose parents went through, were in Europe during the Holocaust, and, and you know, there's a lot of studies of the impact of, on the, the generation that wasn't there, and even the next one. So this, this one is for him, this was for Sam, and it's called Want. So the you in it is, is my partner. Want. You want to keep everything. Obsolete dust-encrusted plastic-wrapped blank mini-cassettes for the defunct video camera that caught the kids' lives. Vacant jewel cases that don't play, hold any of the music you don't play. You want to save everything the tin can long parted from its label that might hold something good, the 80s sweatshirt, its fluorescent logo resting flake by plastic flake into cipher. You want to keep everything you never had, the real comic book monkey cuddled in its teacup, that green-eyed girl in grade 10, the family slaloming happy, both kids bent reverent over the Shabbos candles. You want to save everything you never had. Grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, that hoard. Everything you couldn't keep safe. Hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I guess I haven't read that one before. Really? Yeah. Uh, mm. It's it's beautiful. Oh, thanks. Yeah. My uh, my grandparents on my dad's side were uh, German Jewish refugees from the Holocaust, and I'm um, in that poem. It reminds me so much of the house that I grew up in and everything that we kept. We had that those same habits. Oh. I see showing up in my father and now showing up in myself and my sister this desire to hold on to things that represent history and also things that, that may someday have a use in a moment of need mm -hmm. and not always knowing, not always maybe differentiating the feelings that are attached to those two things, the, the peeling 80s sweatshirt versus <laughs> the family letters in, in German that, you know, are hard to read because German wasn't spoken at home mm -hmm. after, after emigration and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's a, I, I love there how you how you reach back in history in these very in through object mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and sentiment attached to object. Thank you. Yeah, that's a topic that really interests me. Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> and the thing I it sounds like you see showing up in your home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We just attempted to clean out the basement. And mm -hmm. It's like no, not this. You know, oh, yeah. well, thing. the things that you really don't realize that you've got too necessarily until you start digging through all that mm -hmm. and then all the different things that are attached to it, emotions, and just like, what is this? Oh, what? oh yeah, I can't, I've never looked at this for 20 years, but I can't get rid can't of it either. Can't let it go. Mm -hmm. Can't yeah, let it go. Weird. Do you share that desire with your partner to hold on to those things, or is there a push and pull there? Uh, no, I'm the opposite, because <laughs> I need to control, so I need to get rid of things, you know, I need to, and, and uh, probably would prefer to have less things than I have. Mm -hmm. uh, Although, I mean, there's a balance, you know, you have to strike a balance with that as well. So. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but I, Sneet, you're clearly a good audience for that <laughs> mm -hmm. song. 
Um, I thought, even though it's in a different context, the idea of wanting or not knowing what you want and, and want kind of echo, echoing that, and then the, what's you know trying to break through the glass of of certain yeah. things is kind of echoing in that poem too, in a way. I just heard it for the, like I just happened to read those two together because they're the ones that are you know ready for prime time, and I heard and it's particularly because you commented on it, RC. I heard that resonance there mm. and that you know this human longing you know whether it it presents itself in these you know slightly annoying slightly hoarding habits uh or you know this incredibly destructive frightening thing uh you know you still have to have human compassion for for those for those faults or stresses and you mm-hmm. know, frailties in people um not too much damage is done keeping a drawer. What amazed me is a bunch of that stuff. We got a new cabinet, and a, most of it fit in one drawer. You know? <laughs> yeah, the everything drawer. Yes, yeah, you yeah. got to have one. Yeah. The drawer with all the stuff that just isn't in the other drawers. That's, <laughs> that's how you categorize it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, so what else would you like to talk about now that we have you here? After? Oh. Well, I have poems from from the previous book, if I should go on with that. And I picked a couple um, that were, um, uh, that have an environmental message. Um, You know, we've just gotten these recent reports from the UN, and then the Somerset we have had here in Vancouver, and the fires and so on. It's getting frighteningly real. Um, Can I use a a curse word on this radio, or I could just replace... As long as it's not an F-bomb, yeah. It is an F-bomb, but I'll... Yeah, uh, just say F or... Yeah. Yeah, I will do that. Uh, This is probably the only time I've used that word. I think it's... it's, uh, uh, Not in speaking, I mean, but in my poetry, but I'll just... uh, I'll just uh, Thank you. mask it carefully <laughs> so you right. don't get so everyone who's listening to there can be a, be ready for it. <laughs> yes, well. yes, yes. So they're not they're not taken aback. Um, it's called uh, Le Tombe des Cerises, Cherry Time in French. Massacre in my kitchen. The counter spatter incarnadine. My hands bloodied with the juice of cherries splayed, gutted for dessert at a friend's. My fingers dyed a red that keeps in the fine creases under the nails through the next day's breakfast, lunch. I tremble to sacrifice none of this, even though the cherries local organics spoke to me, insisting on their innocence, the plump, burgundy wholeness of them. I didn't think to spare them, never do. Not them nor the shrimp I clean for my son's homecoming dinner, each shrimp life given up, given over to our celebration. Deeper into that same night I hear through my open window, close, someone else's baby cry. Such grief, and nothing will ease it, not the breast or rest or warmth or darkness, or light. Nothing will ease it forever and ever, or for the long moment till all is well and silent. We can't help ourselves. Who wouldn't trade their own child's comfort for another's harm, another child's harm? We can't help ourselves knowing it's wrong knowing there would be a remedy if we wanted it. 
Now someone has written a book I won't be reading about how the earth would do without us, rewriting not the past, airbrushing Trotsky out of the Stalin snaps, but the future, a projection sans projecteur. It's getting hotter. We're starting to agree we've effed it up. The review says the author has visited fresh rooms, a city abandoned only decades, and it's easy for t to foretell. Bougainvillea purpling rooftops, the small fingers of roots diligently rubbing out difference. No inside, no out. To some, Perhaps it's comforting to think of the earth scratching at its ear, good dog, and us no more than fleas in its coat. A good scrub, a sprinkling of powder, and all is well again. None mourning our self-massacre, not the cherries gone wild, the gleeful shrimp gaining all we consumed. He imagines furthermore humpbacks releasing their arias without contest, butterflies sculpting air. I don't want to. Useless though my own life has seemed to me at times, despite cherries, despite friends, I want this curious project to continue. Our certain hunger, our subtleties, our complicated contradictions. The aria is less necessary to me than the way a mouth is held, the look in an eye that engenders them. Though my own evaluation of the human is that, as the song goes, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank <you>. Wow. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, so many lines and so thoughtful. The plump um, burgundy whole... What is the plump burgundy wholeness? Yeah. yeah. A roundness? Plump yeah. burgundy roundness? Oh. I love that. that. Yeah. And, uh, and then just the, the oh. whole stuff with the baby and then like, oh my God, my heart's breaking. Now. I it's know. The grief and the silence. No. There's, there's wonderful movement too in, in that poem between uh, sort of the zoomed in and the zoomed out. Mm. And I was noticing that and then we got to the lines of there is no, there is no outside, there is no in mm. or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, um yeah i i'm really taken by the way that it begins sort of in the kitchen and then moves mm -hmm. into the neighborhood and into the world and the oceans and then back and sort of inside the writer and and their ideas um i don't think i have a question around that i'm just just admiration <laughs> well how the cherries then won't uh, care and the shrimp will get mm -hmm. to do their thing and the humpback <laughs> whales will do their thing yeah. And it's a very, it's a very compassionate take on uh, environmental degradation. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the book that I mentioned there, it was by a guy named Alice, Alan Weissman, The World Without Us, came mm. out in 2007. And it was funny because uh, he was reading at the Vancouver, this is kind of a footnote to the poem, he was reading at the Vancouver Writers' Festival, and through them, indirectly, I, I, I said, you know, could you, I wrote a poem that references his book. Mm. Uh, could you forward it to him, thinking, you know, he'd sort of see the irony in it. And he got furious with me. He sent me, wrote back directly to me. You know, why did he think that I would like a poem where you say you're not going to read my book? You know, oh, like, no. 
Well, let's read it to begin. I mean, it sounded like a brilliant book, and I'm sure he was a brilliant guy, but clearly a little sensitive. Right, <laughs> right. And sensitive to people who maybe take a different approach that, yeah, humanity yeah. could be could be valuable in its continuation even on the... Yeah, yeah. I, and the thing is, the reason that I didn't want to read, and I truly didn't want to read it, I read a little bit, but it was so powerful and moving, and I was scared to make to move into that imaginative space that mm. he had done a great job on. So it's like, oh, okay, some conversations you just can't have. You know? <laughs> it's just not going to work. Yeah. And the image of the earth being a dog and where it's fleas and it's scratching, <laughs> that's <laughs> brilliant. I love it. Mm-hmm. So our guest this afternoon is Ria Trekabov. And uh, is there any, if people want to get a, we're almost out of time. So sure. just checking in if, uh, um, if people would like to get a hold of you and you would like them to get a hold of you uh, sure. online, what is a way they could do that? Um, email is the best. I'm also on Facebook, but I'm kind of one of those people that's relatively inattentive to Facebook. But uh, Ria Treg is the one that I pay more attention to. And Ria Trekabov is just a sort of static official page so they could try that or they can email me i'll be on the ubc uh website still so easy to easy to reach me by email they haven't gotten rid of you uh no they, <laughs> no and i haven't gotten rid of them <laughs> yeah, yeah which is which is more yeah I um yeah, do you want to quickly just talk about your novel that's uh sure yeah it's uh it's um now it's 1982 uh, his, historical now if it's yeah, uh, really. historical it's a historical 35 novel. 36 years old <laughs> yeah predates me yeah there we go i thought it did <laughs> everything b b l before lucia is home yeah. just ancient it's historical than it is so my protagonist <laughs> is uh 25 in 1982 and uh, one of three sisters who's kind of stuck in her life. And I don't know, those of you listening who have siblings, you know how you're all sort of comparing, and she's definitely kind of black sheepy in the family, just in the sense that they're go-getters with their lives together, and she's really kind of stuck in hers for, I think, some interesting reasons. Um, and the, so the poem is, you know, like um, The Knife Sharpener's Bell, the, my first novel, about... Um, uh, not so much coming of age but it's, it's partly coming of age but also being able to break past the constraints that 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 uh, envelop a, a protagonist especially someone of that age where you're still really feeling trying to feel out who you are um, so she winds up sort of being fired from her lousy job and going with her boyfriend to Paris it's supposed to be a six week trip and um she's caught up in a terrorist event that happens in that uh, it was a real event and i was in paris at the time mm-hmm. luckily i was not at the uh at the restaurant that was um that was attacked um so she winds up being hurt i better not give everything away but there's another <laughs> voice in the novel of another young woman who's kind of her doppelganger Mm. Uh, she's in the first person it's all stream of consciousness the the doppelganger person and you start worrying that this other young person is going to be one of the terrorists Mm. so I'm not going to give that part away Uh, but there are these sort of two experiences and they keep crossing paths and even thinking the same thoughts so um, it was uh, it was a really interesting book to write that sounds wonderful what's the title? it's called Rue des Rosiers uh, Rosebush Street, which is the Jewish quarter, that's the heart of the Jewish quarter mm. in Paris. It was an attack on a Jewish deli. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and she's a gardener, my, the, the main protagonist, the one of three sisters. So there's this whole rose, rose theme. Oh, I can't wait to read it. Thank you. And I love a double, too. That's always it's so creepy when there's a doppelganger. You know 
you know something uh, uncanny is afoot. Yeah. So she's not really. <laughs> she it's it, she, she's just very similar and has similar experience. But I don't mean that to be mm-hmm. like uh, as uh, I, there's not a supernatural element. You know, gotcha. So. Gotcha. But they definitely they look alike and and uh, and they keep crossing paths. I love. Paris, so there's a lot of... Paris is a character in the book as well. Um, and what? who's their publisher for those? It's Kato Books, the lovely, lovely Regina publisher that did my first book. Wonderful, wonderful people. And your uh, poetry collections, where who's uh, publishing those and where uh, are those available? Uh, All Souls, and it's also fantastic people, Vehicle Press in, in Montreal. And I know UBC Bookstore can carry it, and you can... They better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, was that a while back, so you might have to ask for it but you know places like Pulp Fiction will order anything and get it for you like in days so well, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you Do you have so any much. readings come up? Any readings coming up? Um, not in the next little while, so okay. not in the next while. Well, we'll be keeping an eye out for sure. Oh, this is great. Thank you both so much. Yeah, Likewise. really glad it happened. Uh, a couple of events happening uh, today. We've got JB, the First Lady, is having their uh, brand new music video release show. Um, also, uh, Kim Marshall, I think, is performing at that event. It's at the Red Gate Art Society. Uh, the Nomados book launch is happening at the People's Co-op Bookstore. I think that is that's tomorrow, uh, starting at seven o'clock, and uh, coming up at on uh, Monday. Let me quickly check. Oh yes, it's the uh, it's featuring Devin Devine at the Vancouver Poetry Slam. It's the new shit slam, so they're asking people to uh, present new work. Uh, for that show. And is there a theme for those slams where the new work is on a theme? There is, and I think it is uh, the theme this time is your um, found family oh. or found community. So, right on. So that's the theme for uh, the slam this coming Monday. So if you want to check that out, uh, do so. And uh, that's all the time we've got for today. I'm R.C. Weslowski. I'm Lucia Mesh. Our guest today has been Rhea Tregobov. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. And No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. Happy birthday to Kenan. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what? 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 what?